podcast for music loving people and guys this is it this is the everyone's been asking for it everyone's been waiting for it one person even recommended that this be our series finale but i'm like fuck you we do whatever we want because we're finale? the for it. i know no. exactly. we're gonna keep doing out? this until i get bored or can't do the soundcloud resubscription fee either way guys <laughs> uh here we is you know the chartographers we take music we are gonna rank every album from a particular artist discography and this week we decided to do the ultimate artist. That's right, the group that is frequently cited as less talented than One Direction, but without them, they wouldn't have the monkeys. That's right, guys! The, the Beatles. Beatles! Or maybe the Quarrymen. Or Wings? Silver Beatles? Or the Traveling Wilburys. I got another one. All right, cool. So, the All Star Band. All right, guys, we're going to be doing it. Uh, John, Paul, George, and the other guy. Uh, we're going to be going and ranking their entire. And trust me, this is a Herculean task because there is the argument. And if you look at certain websites and certain critics, there are people that say that literally every single album they've done is a piece of absolute brilliance and can't be contested. And here's the thing. The people we have gathered in this room right now, we do love the Beatles. We yeah. love all yes. their songs, we love all their albums, but we're going to be brutally honest here. There are going to be favorites that fall by the wayside, and it's going to be surprising. It's an engaged discussion, but in order to have that discussion, we needed to assemble our own Beatles of basically music thinkers and critics. I, of course, am the sexy John Lennon type. I'm Evan Soddy. I am your host of this podcast. You also might know me as an editor over at Pop Matters. Of course, we are always joined by the fan favorite and the person who makes this thing run, the co-creator of this goddamn thing, Taryn O'Reilly! Taryn! Hello! Oh, hi! You're the, you're the Paul, right? You're whimsical. Am fun. I the Paul? I, I guess, yeah, the, the co-creative chair. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. And of course, uh, for the, also another fan favorite, while we're talking about it too, a returning guest from us as well, he has the longest running show on Chirp Radio history, and you can still listen to it. It is! Don't look at me like it's not. Right. It totally is. Uh, and he is a wonderful dear friend. You heard him on our December's podcast, guys. Bobby Evers is back! Oh, hey guys. Hey, Bobby! Am I Bobby? the George? I think you're definitely the George, because yeah, that leaves totally our Ringo. <laughs> Guys, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm a podcast movie. It's all. It's fine. Guys, uh, this is uh, the person we have left. He is a writer over at Chicago now. He uh, in college, and I know this for a fact. Actually, had a recurring radio show called Bill's Beatles Bonanza, which gives you an idea of where we're leaning. Guys, it is the one, the only Bill Mayeroff is yeah, joining our it group. It is a pleasure and an honor. I Thank you so, so much. This goddamn is wonderful. Happy. Yeah, right. And now here's the thing: we have the amazing, we have the A team here, and I'm we're about who the Yoko is going to be. Well, we'll figure that out later. But guys, we're talking about Beatles albums. Uh, we have a lot of albums here. And here's the thing. When you look at the Beatles discography, there's actually like, and this is a rough estimate, 8 billion albums. Because early on when they were a group, especially in the UK, they were very much more of a singles-minded uh, art group. And therefore the record labels would sometimes just grab an amalgam of singles together and put that in a package. So that's why there's Beatles 65 and Beatles 4 and, blah, 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 and all these other different goddamn compilations. Right, yeah. Well, their, their early US discography is completely different from the UK. UK up through, yeah. I want to say through like Revolver. It's like 1967 was like the versions. cutoff when it became yeah. kind of like yeah. unilateral. So as such, that being said, we have a lot of albums to get through. We are going by the official core 
ranking that is on there that basically, as Wikipedia describes, and when the 2009 re-release of all their albums of mono and stereo happened, this is kind of the same list of albums that they had as well. And I think when they did the re-release in 87, too, this was the same lineup. Like, the CD yeah. box set, yeah. this yeah. was the lineup. Right. So. so that being said, let's talk about the ones that we are talking about, and then we're going to get into the qualifiers, because that's a really important category. So we are talking about their pair of 1963 albums, Please Please Me, and with the Beatles, their 1964 albums, A Hard Day's Night and The Beatles for Sale, their 1965 set, Help and Rubber Soul, their 1966 Break for Artistic Whatever Revolver, their Hey, We're a Different Band Now, 1967 Sgt. Pepper's Holding Hearts Club Band. Uh, we're also talking about 1968's massive, huge, technically double, but also quadruple, depending on if you get it on CD or vinyl album, The White Album, a.k.a. The Beatles, 1969's Abbey Road, which was the last thing recorded, and 1970's Let It Be, the last thing that they released, if you don't count Anthology or any of the other goddamn compilations together, or their greatest album, Beatles 1, clearly, let's be real, <laughs> come on. Now, that being said, now that's a very concise list of 11 albums, but there's two that we need to consider. And basically, they're kind of the two soundtracks that technically are canon, but kind of... I mean, they are canon, but we want to talk about it and see if they qualify. The first one, of course, 1967's Magical Mystery Tour. This is the time when the Beatles, uh, following the success of movies like Help and Hard Day's Night, uh, they're like, guys, we could we could direct our own thing, right? I don't know what <laughs> accent that was, by the way. Shoot me. Uh, but they basically uh, they went ahead and they directed their own film for BBC, and it was not well-received at all. Like It was the first time the critics actually got to roast them over the fire and deserve it. So. Good reason. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was just not. <laughs> it's not unwatchable. Uh, yes. uh, unlike, of course, the uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band film starring the Bee Gees <laughs> and Peter Frampton as the Beatles. What, what? Wait, you mean that wasn't the greatest film in the history of film? Come on. I would like to watch that, actually. Uh, anyway, but so Magical <laughs> Mystery Tour, uh, the thing is basically the first half of the album is instrumental tracks that the band composed themselves. Mm. Mm. Yellow Submarine. Yeah, that's Yellow Submarine. No, 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 no. For a magical mystery tour, the first half of that album is basically there's a there's a series of tracks that they had as the soundtrack, and then the back end of that oh. album is nothing but. You singles. said instrumentals. That's Sorry. why we were correcting you. Yeah, exactly. They're very yeah. much songs with vocals and on... and an instrumental. And instruments. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that would and to be and that back half that has a bunch of singles. Not playing any spoilers right now. I, it's one of the best compilations of singles they ever had in their goddamn life. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and, and for that reason alone, and because it was a band composed thing, I think we could all be in agreement that that should be a part of our qualifiers. I'm, all definitely. right. Fantastic. Great. Now, the other one, the tricky bit of peanut butter here is Yellow Submarine, which has a very annoying song in it called Yellow Submarine, but we'll get into that. Uh, the thing about Yellow Submarine is that it was a soundtrack to an animated film they actually didn't have a lot of involvement in. But they, didn't do the vo they didn't do the voices. Yeah. yeah. For one. They didn't write it. But also, it's it only has, what, four original songs? Right, we were, we were talking about this, and there, there are not that many new Actual. releases in it, um, although it does have... Really, what I think is one of my favorite Beatles songs ever, which is "Hey Bulldog." Um, you know, it's the only place you can you can find it. But it's um, there are only a few new new releases on it, and everything else is just kind of a rehash. Right. right. So for that reason, and because so much of the score for it is done by George Martin, aka the Fifth Beatle, unless you're talking about Peter Shears, um, I would say. 
I, and Terran made this argument before about how even though it's technically part of co considered canon, that we don't actually rank it for this podcast. Now, we were talking about this earlier. Bill said that we should do it because oh, that way we have an easy yeah, bottom we, of the list. Consensus, to... we, we did have a consensus right. on where it would fall in, in our, right, in our own rankings, just... but that, that might not necessarily be a reason to include listen, it. Because listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if we're including it, it's at the bottom of the list. Yes, I, am, clearly, I don't think right. there's... Uh, Bobby's smirking at me right now, but I don't... <laughs> That's just my thoughts. Bobby, where do you stand? I think it should be on the list, and it should be at the bottom. Darren? I mean, okay. <laughs> you feel okay! That, if you feel that strongly about it, we can we can go ahead and All just right. open up All right, in that case, with... uh, guys, I'm not going to tell you how, this, uh, how part one of this episode is going to go, but it's going to be really interesting. Okay, guys, we are ranking... 13 studio albums together. Uh, we got them all right here. And as with the Chartographers, we're going to talk about it. We're going to debate about it. We have great, fascinating opinions. If we hit in a, if we get in a tiebreaker, two against two situation, I have a way to resolve that. But I think we'll see how it works out. The thing is that we're also all nice people. We're not total assholes. We're not Except John Lennon's. Except no. for Bill. He's the Ringo. He's the, he, he likes to have fun. <laughs> he wrote a song about an octopus. Evan, you know? aren't you the John Lennon? I know. I'm broody and dark and uh, everyone disagrees with me. I mean, he's me. Just, he does try to let me give him veto power and I'm like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> I just, uh, I, that's why I'm the leader of the band. Uh, but, uh, but legit though, we'll run into it. Uh, as John Lennon noted. Uh, we'll run into that issue. But the thing is, I'm also like, even though I have an idea of what I think number one should be, I'm also, I'm not an actual asshole. I'm willing to hear other arguments and as you've heard on other previous podcasts too, they can be persuasive. And like, we're not like going to hold it. We have our beliefs, but we like, if someone has a really good argument, we're going to acknowledge it too. So we're going to rub this out. We're going to see how it goes and i'm gonna start very predictably guys with number 13 on our list of ranking the beatles albums from worst to best guys what is the worst beatles album let's do it three two one yellow, yellow submarine, submarine. Damn fucking right it is let's go into why <laughs> okay um just briefly touching on the instrumentals um because they make up so much of the album i think that pepperland is actually a really fun little ditty um, but after that, they get sort of uninteresting. Um, they're, they're great for scoring the film, but they're not really worth listening to on their own very much, yeah. in my opinion. And the thing is, I mean, all and all you need love is a clear, you know, throwback, you know, clearly, you know, that they kind of, you know, integrate and throw in there. And I would say, you know, all together now, which kind of feels like kind of a rehashed version of, you know, a big old sing-along kind of chanty, yeah. whatever kind of thing. Only another... Uh, I mean... Yeah, even even Paul McCartney admits that All Together Now is like not right. really very much of a song. Now, there are some people that have argued that Yellow Submarine, the song, is actually the first kid's song that ever actually came out, a.k.a. the first one that's not like, all right, children, let's learn our ABCs, you know, together and that kind of thing, like a song that's just catchy and universal and stupid and fun and dumb, but also accessible to everyone. It is, and it's exactly what I would have expected from Ringo Starr's first credited recording. You know, that song first appeared on Revolver. It was the opening track of Revolver, and it was the first uh, it was the first track where Ringo Starr was credited by himself, also along with Lennon and McCartney, but it was the first where Starkey was actually was actually listed. And Stark. frankly, it's exactly what I would expect from Ringo. And it's what he mm -hmm. it's what he did back then. It's what he still does now when he releases things. He releases, you know, fun poppy songs that you know, aren't tremendously deep, but you can sing along to them and you can have a good time listening to them. But, I mean, that's not, one, that's not the basis for a film, and it's certainly not the basis for an album. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And also, here's the thing. George Martin is a brilliant human being. Yes. He is astonishing. And what he did with the Beatles in conjunction with them was genre boundary pushing as well. His score here, his stuff that's kind of in the style, it makes some interesting turns. It's not stuff I'm going to listen to very often again. But as a Beatles album, it's just kind of, eh. Yep. Yes. Bobby, do you are you in agreement here? I am in agreement. I mean, listen, we made this easy for ourselves. So listen, number thirteen, bottomless worst Beatles album, Yellow Submarine. But now here's the here's the real pickle in the ointment. Okay, now we got the real <laughs> issue here, which is, uh, guys, we're talking about what is the number twelve album of the ones that they have left. Now I have my idea on what I think should be after Yellow Submarine, but I'm gonna turn the table over to special guest Bobby Evers. Okay. My opinion is that Get ready. while there are a number of really good songs on this album that stand alone, the overall aesthetic of my number 12 pick uh, is that it's very weak, and it, it doesn't really hold up, and that is why we were talking Holding about it up. earlier, uh, how it was the other soundtrack film, and that's Magical Mystery Tour. <sighs> You're not feeling it? No. No? No. no. You would say that uh, Magical Mystery Tour is a great album. Yes. I would. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Are you kidding me? Especially once you start including the singles on it. Penny Lane and... Right, those are great singles. Right, here's the thing. Like, the the thing is that, like, it is kind of a mishmash. It's basically like an EP and another EP, kind of like an EP and a roundup of singles, like Michael Jackson's History, which the Beatles clearly ripped off because they time-traveled to the future. But at the same time, like, I mean, the thing is that, you know, The Fool on the the Hill is, you know, fantastic and, you know, Magical Mystery Tour. But then, like, they just knock out... It's their greatest run of singles that they ever had. And the fact that they're all on one album that's considered canon, guess what? I know it's kind of a cheat because it's just, here's a bunch of singles. I absolutely have to include that. Hello, Goodbye, Strawberry Fields Forever, Penny Lane. Like, all of that. Even even Baby, You're a Rich Man, I think, is like a really fun song. No, I won't let you put this anywhere near this one. <laughs> um, we can we can revisit it in a little bit, but I I love this album, and I think it's also it's I mean this was one of the albums that probably we listened to the most growing up because it it's it's really psychedelic, of course, but it's goofy and weird, like. I am the walrus is a, is like almost a terrifying. <laughs> Can I kid's talk song? about I am the walrus though for As a little a bit? As a six year old, holy shit. <laughs> I love that song. And that song, what that did production-wise, I remember when I heard it for the first time, and that part where it kind of like, there's that rising action, and then it just kind of does a smash cut to the orchestra, and it feels like like the basis of what like sampling became like later on in the day. Like that yeah, song, almost. the production elements of that song are just, even to this day, stellar. are stunning. Yeah. Right. So yeah. here, I don't know. You go. Well, yeah. what, I, what I was going to say is that I would not put Magical Mystery Tour a whole lot higher than than number 12 on the list. I don't know that I would call it number 12. I don't think it's great as an album. That said, it is a great it is a great collection of singles and I think it is I think best defines that sort of psychedelic period of the Beatles, you know, things mm-hmm. like things mm-hmm. like Strawberry Fields great Forever and Penny Lane, Hello Goodbye. Yeah. I mean better than Sergeant, definitely better than like Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, you know, they're you know, the songs the songs on Magical Mystery Tour are the songs that from that period, people really sing along to and, and remember to this day. Yeah, and I think that's important because people point to Sergeant Pepper as the kind this, of turning this is where point. psychedelic this is where started. psychedelic people started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't I don't agree. It was where they first did it, 
but and Magical he, Mystery Tour is where yeah. it was first kind of recognized by the populace at large and is still recognized. You know, you don't people don't sing along to songs on Sgt. Pepper that much. And eh, maybe oh, love she's me leaving Rita. home. I sing along. Oh, yeah, all like, the fixing time. a home. I guess holds my ringtone. I just feel like <laughs> there are a lot of Beatles albums that are perfect from beginning to end, and that one has just enough songs that are weak that I would skip past that like it just falls a little bit lower for me. And I'm not okay. saying that it shouldn't be on the list. I'm just saying right. if it has to be somewhere, like, I love all of their albums, but, like, I love some more than others. Okay, I I'm, just... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I think that even its weaker tracks, like, uh, Flying the Instrumental and, like, Blue Jay Way like isn't, isn't the best, maybe Your Mother Should Know, they've done the different versions of that, they've done that better. But I think with the, just the sheer collection of singles there... I don't know how I can justify putting Magical Mystery Tour so low when we have the earlier stuff where it's like six out of the 14 tracks are covers and it's really, you know, on Magical Mystery Tour, they're really carving their own sound already at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're looking at their early career, they don't quite have their own voice yet. They're doing a lot of classic blues. They're doing a lot of like really early 60s 19 roll or rock and roll obviously yeah but it's just there's only like on on like the f opening four song or f the opening four albums there's only a couple of songs that i really go back to a ton mm -hmm. so and what would you put as like number 12 then i would put beatles for sale oh this okay i think the only like truly incredible song that has lasted from beatles for sale is eight days a week let me and for sale. other than that, it's, I mean, it's it, like, it, they ev they've even said themselves, like, we recorded this album between tour dates, like, on our UK and US tours, we were exhausted. It's like really kind of dark, like the opening songs, No Reply um, is about like, I you you never called me back, so I'm right. standing outside of your window, and I know you're home. You like, used to call me on your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, well, see, really, of. Beatles were the original Drake. If you really see, get down, to and, and for that reason though, is why I would I love I happen to love Beatles for Sale, and really, oh, I do, I do, and it one of the reasons I one of the reasons I love it is because it's where John Lennon discovered is he was really dark. kind of finding his finding that dark voice. I mean, you know, Beatles Beatles for Sale. You know, no reply. I'm a that dark introspection, especially on I'm a loser. He's like you working know? through some He's shit. He's really yeah. working through some shit there, yeah. and I th I think it's it's where you get that first. You know, he he wrote a lot of you know, poppy kind of happy you know maybe heartbroken songs mm -hmm. in the in the early in the early days, but like that's the first time where you really got a glimpse of who John Lennon was and like what he has what he is. Dealing with. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it may be the first time we got a glimpse of that, but I think that while while it's important to notice where that darkness came in, and he did some absolutely incredible things with it later when they started experimenting more, he's not experimenting here. I think he's still trying to find sort of his dark sense of melody. Like he has his pop sense of melody mm -hmm. down already, but he hasn't he hasn't figured out how to take that darkness and form it into really fascinating compelling forward-thinking songs yet and so cool. I, so while i do totally recognize what you're saying and yes that is an important thing to note it just doesn't 
it doesn't coalesce like that same feeling right. does later on a, And I would actually I would actually jump onto that as well because the thing you also gotta keep in mind is that their first two albums, Please Please Me and uh, With the Beatles, they were very much kind of a here's some original songs and here's a bunch of covers that we have and then they clearly broke away from that on a hard day's night, you yes. know, kind of sort of a soundtrack, which is like we're gonna do all original songs. And then that's why Beatles for sale immediately because there's so many different covers on there. And by the way, Mr. Moonlight sucks. Yes. Uh, yes it there does. is like I that, agree. that feels like an, a regression. Like it feels like they're kinda like going back on their things and that's why it feels more like an obligation album than any of the any of the other ones that they have there, and so even Maybe. with Lennon discovering a little yeah. bit more of himself, he then ex, ex, expanded and interpolated on that much okay. better much later. I, I want to just say just a note about the yes. covers on on Beatles for Sale. I I do think of you know they did a lot of covers clearly throughout their you know throughout their early albums, and on Beatles for Sale I think is where they did their best covers. You know I th I honestly think that. The cover George Harrison did of um, "Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby." You know, they did a couple of Carl yeah. Perkins songs mm -hmm. on there. They, they love um, and you know, they they clearly love Carl Perkins. But I think I think one of the best covers they did was "Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby." And I think I think only George, I think George Harrison did it so well. And you know, he wore he always wore that influence on his sleeve. So that being said, Bill Mayeroff, since yes, we can, I mean, we're at our first of what I'm sure is going to be several impasses throughout the this. course of the evening. Bill, what would you put at number 12? What would I put at number 12? Because you're not going to go with Magical Mystery Tour? You're not going to go with... Uh... No, I don't think so. Um, I think that um, I would probably put Please Please Me at number 12. Oh my oh, god! Yes. Okay. Oh yes! All right, guys, we're gonna right, let's, get let's do this. into it. All right, let's do this. Let me tell you why you're wrong first, okay, okay. and then I want to hear about more about it. All right, so here's the thing about "Please Please Me." All right, so the original songs. I mean, really, this and, and "Please Please Me" and "With the Beatles" are two very sonically similar albums. They're yeah. two very aesthetically similar albums in terms of just their tones. They really didn't need to start experimenting with different kind of instrumentation until kind of a hard day's night. Yeah. But then clearly, once "Rubber Soul" happened, then it turned well, yeah. to a whole different direction. But "Please Please Me." Here's one thing about this with the rock and roll covers and everything else like that. You have to remember contextually, Please Please Me came out at a time when rock and roll was still in its nascent stages. You had Elvis, you had Little Richard, you had people that were legitimately rock stars. But the thing, and so you had the twist. You had Twist right. and Shout. You had other songs, you know, songs that were popular. But let me tell you something. John Lennon's vocal sneer is something that is just next level like you've heard other versions of twist and shout before but the way that just that raw and animalistic energy that comes out of it is just so fantastic so like, you would say that based on that one song it should not be number that 12. and p.s i love you now here's the thing like it's one of the things where <laughs> i feel like with this one there was a solid amount of pop singles and listen i will go ahead and say the pop singles as good as they are are very much of a type very much kind of a very yeah. texturally yeah. monochromatic type but at the same time, it just there's kind of an energy to this album that I feel on this more than I do on Beatles for Sale. I, right, definitely Beatles for Sale, and I would almost say with the Beatles too. Although I would definitely be willing to concede that. But I feel like as yeah, especially on Please Please Me, I feel like you can hear how excited they are to actually be, be in the studio. working on their record. Yeah, like. There's a there's a palpable. new fresh palpable energy on this record, especially on you know the big singles like I saw her standing there please or love me do, um, 
Oh, P.S. I love you is terrible. <laughs> it's such, it's such, you, you, you. It's so schlocky. And um, by the way, if we can stick around for the Happy Hour Minute, so we will talk about the worst Beatles song for that. There, there will be options, and I would also throw the qualifier in there, maybe not off of uh, the White Album, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. The, the worst non-Revolution Nine. Beatles song. <laughs> and I still like it. That's mm-hmm. its own thing. Anyway, we'll continue. Cute. Okay. Um, Thanks, babe. So, <laughs> Alright, so that being said, okay. You you really put this on here because it just feels Yeah, it I, I feel a- like amateur. actually actually kind of the way the way uh, Bobby felt about Magical Mystery Tour about how you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of singles. There's so, there are some good singles on it. You know, I saw her standing there is is a classic, it's one, you know, Paul McCartney still plays, mm-hmm. you know, to the to this day. He's still Love alive? me do I heard he was dead. Well wow. maybe No, you're thinking of Abe Bagoda. <laughs> Oh. Um, <laughs> Rest in power, Abe Vigoda. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, "Love Me Do" it was the first song where you had the sound of the Beatles. You know, John Lennon had its harmonica, and it was that you yeah. know the, the three-part harmony on there, yeah. and and all that. But I think everything that's not. Let's see. Let me, let me look at the. Let me, I kind of do. Let me look at, let me look at the list. This album for I, the you. fact I mean, that it's still everything together still feels because and like there's that energy of like them sounding like they're in the studio and also the fact that the the mics at the time are so limited that yeah. when they hit those vocal breaks as much as they do there's just that kind of like almost like textural yeah. like fuzziness on it. Oh, yeah. There's a rawness to it. It's a little. I'm now. weirdly drawn. For this is a weird thing about me. I'm weirdly drawn to debut albums from people when people kind of like they don't have anything else to go on with it. Like it's just yeah. like their first chance. Like this might be our only chance kind of thing. Right. It always just fascinates and excites me. Well, it is, and that that is one thing you know about Please Please Me that is fascinating. That I do, you know, it, it's not without redeeming qualities. So yeah. once they once they release that that album, you know, people could have written them off after that. I think yeah. I think there was, mm-hmm. you know, it was maybe half good, you know, half great things and. The rest of it, there was a lot of crap, and so people could have written it off, you know, and said, "Oh, these Beatles, fuck these guys." And so I'm sorry, but you're saying that there's more crap on "Please Please Me" than Beatles for Sale? <laughs> yeah, I am. That's fascinating. Even with Mister Moonlight. I mean, but even even like, with Honey Don't and Kansas City. Hey, Every hey, little hey, thing hey. isn't even the greats. Even isn't even like peak Beatles. Or like I don't want to spoil not. the party. Yeah. Oh, like, I, see that I happen to love that song. Really? I do. It's it's. It wow. spoils a lot of parties. I we do spoil a lot of parties. It's an um, it is. So it Jens is. <laughs> it's catchy, and, it, and again, it fits. It fits with kind of what I was saying before about John Lennon being, you know, this very self-deprecating, you know, putting himself out there as like this guy who, you know. Kind of hates himself, mm-hmm. and well, I think, and I think I don't want to spoil the party. Gets gets into that. Yeah, I'm gonna second. Please, please me. Oh, okay. oh, okay, okay. Um, I don't feel strongly enough about it to fight you on that. So, oh my god, oh, wow. so we're we're let... moving on. All right, cool. Because if it was gonna be Evan's two versus really two, upset because this is his favorite early album. But... My favorite early <laughs> album, but that's you know that's the qualifier. Favorite right. pre. You know, Revolver L. But, uh, okay, in that case, fine, you know, because, listen, I know we talked about it for a bit, and that's part of the reason why I love doing this, because we also get to come to consensus on certain things, so even though you all are wrong, we're going to go ahead <laughs> and throw a Then again, you got to keep in mind that, for me, especially, this is not, like, a hard loss to have, because when you're especially... Yeah. I mean, honestly, the early albums, I think we can all agree... You know, there is... They're kind of diff- equal to me. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, like, there is differentiation between them. Uh, I'm going to spoil something for you right now. I'm not necessarily saying you put it next, but I'm not the biggest fan of health in the world. Okay. Yeah. Because... 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I really, I think Help is a, a very interesting album because it kind of feels, um, it's like, it starts at a real high and then it gets real bad right in the middle. <laughs> and then it, yeah. Um, so I feel like Help, Help the track, the song, the title track is uh, up there with the best, you know, classic 60s doo-wop love songs that they've written. Um, I think it's, this is like, um, I love that it's, it's the darkness that Lennon had been exploring on Beatles for Sale, but presented in a really, um, like upbeat way, which always does it for me. Some of my favorite songs ever are like really depressing topics in to like a major, major key rock song. Please listen to our Robin podcast for more details. (laughs) Or our Fleetwood Mac podcast, for (laughs) example. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, and then it sort of, it it stays at a high for a minute there. Um, I think that You've Got to Hide Your Love Away is like a really, I mean, that's just a classic. It's a great song. You know, that's... That and Ticket to Ride, like these are great songs. Yeah, Ticket to Ride. And so it's sort of, for me, it starts out at a high and then steadily goes down and then spikes at Ticket to Ride. And then it's terrible again. (laughs) And then it, it like, it slowly gets better up until... Um, like tell me what you see is is pretty nice, and then I think I've just seen a face again is like yeah. one of their classics. Yesterday is on this album, so I feel like I I think that Help again has enough really incredible tracks, and it's not like it's it's all original. It's all very much yeah. like it's soaked in that class the the Beatles sound that you think of when you when yeah. when you think Beatles. Help is what you think of to me you know as far as like it's true spanning their whole career you know what i think is amazing i reviewed once a uh, best of compilation for ringo star because i had no idea about ringo's solo shit you know for a while yeah. his uh, his country affectations whatever it is. and the thing is that on it there was a dvd uh that had like all those videos that he did including you're young you're it's like uh, yeah. it's like you're young you're 16 in your mind which is a kind of a pasted animated music video with him and carrie fisher at a poodle hop jesus uh, and, then, and then there's another <laughs> one it must come easy which he's just like filmed this backyard is like oh look i'm in a frog costume and i got ping pong paddles i'm playing the drums with like it makes no fucking sense but he does a he does a cover of act naturally again on that one this time yeah. singing it with buck owens and it's just not good and it's and, not a, right, right. Yeah. like especially when you look at i mean because ringo's songs on the later albums are actually like really great and like an essential part of the canon and but ringo's songs on this these early albums are like oh it was the ones he sings yeah you had yeah. to give Give a song to Ringo. And listen, Ringo can sometimes give an affable vocal performance. Yeah. He really can. Yeah, like, but they're always the one... written by John. Like it's not. <laughs> well, he was, Ringo songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was never he was never allowed to write on the early albums. Which was and... the song where he was like, "Come on, George, play it once for me now." That was uh, that was Honey Don't. Yeah, that's okay. Honey Don't. That one. That one actually yeah, kind of like. Um, I did like the Ringo song that's in A Hard Day's Night, um, but. Which one was no, that? Wasn't there is, that? No, there is no Ringo there on a Hard Day's I guess I'm thinking of like Ringo's theme. Oh, which yeah, would well, been... yes, on, the, on the soundtrack, on the full soundtrack yeah. version of it, yes. Yeah. Bobby's talking um, about versions that don't exist as Anyways. No, there's the, reason... the Ringo theme, I th- and I forget what song, it's It's an instrumental version of a song uh, that plays while he's like wandering, you know, kind of right. contemplatively uh, yeah. throughout. Um, so then clearly number 11, then we're putting Let It Be, right? No, <laughs> Look, no. We'll, we'll get there. No. So this. the reason that I think that we can justify putting help as number eleven no. is just because oh. it. Oh, 
is yeah. uh, it's Hard Day's Night Part Two. Like they just tried Actually, to recreate that magic mm. with that. It's a soundtrack album. It has singles, but it's not an album. It's just and some think, songs that they had available that were put in that movie. They yesterday was like the biggest song. It made the other members hate Paul McCartney. It was a single, and then they just stuck it on there because it was their next album. It was the first time that he recorded a song completely without them, which mm-hmm. was going to be a huge point of contention at later years. still the most covered years. song of all time. And that's... I, I'm i sorry, but a Hard Day's Night Part 2 is still better than Beatles for Sale. <laughs> I, I I hate to harp on it, but like I've, I've named the only I'm, things I'm, yeah. that really stand out to it for me, and the rest of it's really just very normal 1964 music and especially when you look at how much it it just doesn't have anything on it that that really stands out even none of them think like eight days a week Bill, they think it was a debate i i actually think i think help is actually a pretty phenomenal album um and i, I was I'm, I'm actually curious what are your thought what are your thoughts on the song you like me too much because you kind of you kind of we're talking about songs and you went from like you know how it how it kind of got terrible after Ticket to Ride, and then you sort of mentioned it's only love, and you sort you of skipped like over like much. me too much, and then went into tell me what you see. I skipped over it because I think it's like perfectly fine. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. a it solidly average song not, from Harrison. Okay, it took a while for Harrison to really a flaw it on the yeah. album or, right. or a, you know okay. something that counts toward it. Yeah. I think it. I, um, right. It's it's a fun early George yes. Harrison song. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I think that. Uh, you know, I need you earlier on the album is a, yes. a much better George Harrison it is. track. Yeah. It is. And um, listen, guys, here's the thing I'm going to say right now, because we've been talking about this for a bit now. I am t- definitely, trust me, I am aligned with Taryn on the dislike of Beatles for Sale. I just so. really think it's, they, they really were not happy while they were recording it they were <laughs> and it overworked. Shows. but that being said i mean the thing is that like i am more than willing to back him on this one here and if there's a split vote on the other side it's going to go to us but if unless <laughs> like, we hear a really fantastic argument for what should be a number 11 and bobby i would like to throw it to you now what would you throw in if it's not any of these things you'd still throw and you want and please 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 already oh, down didn't, you, didn't he say help oh he was with help all right i at this point i don't have a loyalty we can put Beatles for sale. That's fine. Oh, okay. snap! Last, Which, last chance, last chance. I, I don't think... I, I, also, I don't have that... I don't have okay. the huge loyalty. To, I, I'm okay with it being there. I, I, Y'all honestly, are wrong. No, no, no. I was, I was honestly worried that it was going to... That, I don't know. What, I had this irrational fear that, that it was going to be like number 13 or something. Yeah. Because um, it is, it, at least in my experience, Listen. it's a fairly maligned album. And I, I will, I I, I will throw Beatles like for sale on before I throw on Yellow Summer. Yeah, I mean, okay. and, and I fully admit, you know, and I fully admit that my tastes in the Beatles range towards the weird. So, listen, his his favorite solo member is uh, Ringo. <laughs> uh, that's just I'm just saying that right now. Entire career, every album, the country albums, the covers albums, the old, basically the only albums he does hey these days. Hey man, Photograph is a wonderful song. It is a good song. Also, the No No song about not doing weed. Well, yeah. I don't know that. That's an amazing song. We'll, just, we'll talk about that <laughs> it, later. It's a wonderful novelty. All right, guys, thing, we yes. got it here. Let's recap Let's real quick. This. Number thirteen, the worst one, Yellow Submarine. Number twelve, please please me. Number eleven, Beatles for Sale. All right. Now that, here's the thing. That's pretty good. I think that's we've been fairly safe pretty so far with our picks because I think generally the general consensus with a lot of people is that the 
first five albums in some way or another and it's just going to be at the lower end of the spectrum because what they do later in their career is so forward-thinking and revolutionary and the thing is we talk about this here in 2016 we forget that what they did was actually legitimately forward-thinking and genuinely revolutionary <laughs> and rewrote <laughs> the was. rules of what pop music could do because at the time even though those first five albums were very much of a cast of a type very shortly thereafter because they didn't have any other commercial obligations to do they were like oh we have all the money now we have all the success the only things they had to do was prove themselves artistically which is when they went weird but we're saving that for a little bit so Taryn I'm throwing it to you okay <laughs> um it's a heavy responsibility you know when you throw masterpieces against masterpieces this at, at this point since since I won my Beatles for sale argument up next I think we should either be putting help or with the Beatles um, and I know that help had already been mentioned, mm -hmm. so I'm I'm guessing that's gonna go next. But maybe we should talk about with the Beatles, Bobby. I don't have strong feelings. Like seriously, the the first like three ish, four ish albums to me run together. They are equally like amateurish and you know cute. Like they are. The, they are like Beatlemania. They are Beatlemania. The they are Beatlemania. I mean, they were within a 18-month period. Because right. It, and let's also so set like, the context, though, so for anyone that's listening, and it's just like, oh, I'm not that familiar with the Beatles. When the Beatles, they had a, they were big in the UK. Uh, they actually had large hits. And then initially, and I talked about this earlier, Capitol Records, they were the UK, you know, compliment label to Parlophone, and they basically had first refusal. And when the first couple singles came out that were doing mass success in the UK, they're like, eh, yeah, no. And they came out in, like, these little shitty indie labels here and there. And then finally they did I Want to Hold Your Hand was, like, the first one. They're like, you know, we'll give this a pass, and it did well. When Beatlemania hit America, especially after the Ed Sullivan performance, they exploded. And how did they explode? They had five albums in the top five of the Billboard charts at the same time. And that is a feat that no one has ever pulled off since and as such the demand for product was fucking huge like it doesn't matter what song you put out any song give us any song because they were beloved by kids but much like one direction as mentioned previously they evolved into real stop artists doing that. <laughs> fucking stop doing that all right but uh at the same time like and so as such we need to remember that th all these albums came out in quick succession and part of the reason why they stopped touring and doing any sort of performances whatsoever so they could focus on spending time in the studio because they found touring to be a distraction more than anything else also terrifying yeah paul mccartney was terrified when like when they would go to a performance and the girls were just like constantly screaming and like rushing the stage he was legitimately right. frightened and didn't and want to honestly, do it anymore. even even though it's you know technically staged the footage of a hard day's night like when they hit that concert part and it's just a cacophonous rain of screaming that's all the way through like it is just the thing is, we, we talk about, you know, there's fans now, kids that go to, like, you know, different concerts, and they're just like, oh my god, you're my favorite artist, whatever. And the thing is that, like, but back then, that was a relatively new phenomenon. Like, you know, kind of happened with Elvis, it happened with certain people, but never in that mass They didn't know before. what to do. They couldn't handle their emotions. Right, yeah. like, legitimately. And now there's a fanhoods that are expected because of that. Anyway, that's right. its own thing. We've been talking there. So, I am fine with Help or with the Beatles. So, I mean, if, if we're not leaning a... Uh, one way strongly, I would say with the Beatles, it goes next. Just yeah. for, Duh. again, lack of, like, incredible, long-lasting songs. Like, I won't be long. Postman? You don't listen to that? I won't <laughs> be long is a really great song, and so is All My Loving. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I don't even love the rollover Beethoven. I got to be honest. I know yeah. that's not like not a big not a big fan of it either. And and I agree with with Taryn that um, that with the Beatles needs to go needs to go next. Um, I for one the reason the reasons you were saying, but also the the lack of originality. We talked earlier about you know how some of these albums were were half covers. On with the Beatles, it's so apparent yeah. that they're <laughs> that they're covering things. Yeah, and. Um, I mean that—that's not to say that the covers were were all bad. Rollover Beethoven, not a fan, but like you really got a hold on me. That at least I enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy listening to it, and I think it—I think it's a a good cover of what was already a good song. But I think the sheer number of covers on it—you know—the fact that quite literally half of the album is covers, and and again, and that's not uncommon for the time. You know, and, and for Beatles albums, but also for albums in general at the time, there were a lot of covers being being done back then. And, but I think I think Help is much more of a Beatles album. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Than than with the Beatles, Bobby. Uh, I'm gonna go with with the Beatles. All right, all right, cool. okay, great, guys. We haven't talked about a lot because you don't need to hear it all that much. All right, guys. So with the Beatles, number ten on our list. All right, now really at this point though, we are left down to because the thing is, you can almost divide the Beatles' career up into parts because really there's kind of pre-Rubber Soul and post-Rubber Soul. That's yep. at least how a lot mm-hmm. of critics kind of view it because yep. Rubber Soul was the album that came out in 1965 where there was just like a clear break. a tear, Because a, essentially, you got to keep in mind, they also put out five albums of a lot of original songs about boy-girl relationships. I want to hold your hand and like yep. other things like that. They talk about how Nowhere Man and later Tax Man were kind of the first songs they wrote that weren't about boy-girl relationships or any sort of, you know, romantic mm-hmm. pairings or what have you. And they started getting into deeper, more significant issues. Uh, and that's why a lot of people define that as an artistic break. So that being said, we have the artistic break songs, uh, all those albums songs, uh, Yellow Submarine, and then we also have the quote-unquote soundtrack albums, A Hard Day's Night and Help. A Hard Day's Night, considered by many a classic, Help considered a really goofy, dumb movie that they did together with friends, still better than uh, Magic Mystery Tour. Yep. So, yes. uh, <laughs> that being said, Bill, Bill, uh, Bill, yes, Bill yes, Bonanza, yes. that guy, um, that motherfucker, what was the worst episode you ever filmed of that? Oh God! Um, Did you ever have a caller come in and be like, "I want to hear John Lennon"? No, I never. Album. I never had that. I, I think my first episodes of it were were the worst, just because I tried to really plan it out too much, and I had no idea that radio was it's like you had creature. to be able to throw all your shit out the window. So I had, you know, I would come in with these, you know, lists of songs. I knew I had an hour so I could get this many songs in. And yeah. I had notes about, like, oh, I'm going to say this here, and I'm going to do this there. <laughs> you had a script? Like, and, yeah, I mean, not, like, exa- I had just notes about things I was going to say. I didn't say, like, now I'm going to say these words. Yeah. But I did have notes, like, between these two songs, I'm going to, to do that. And, like, as I got more comfortable with it, it just became a much more organic thing. And, you know, much more, much more fun. I mean, like, even, I mean... I, you know, the best episode I ever did of it was the last one because I was having a the ton Abbey of fun Road. with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your Abbey yeah, Road my Abbey Road. And because I did, that was the only one where I had absolutely nothing. You know, no notes, no oh, nothing yeah, about, you know, nothing about any sort of Beatles occasions or anything like that. I had, I had absolutely nothing. I just kind of went in, I decided I'm going to do an episode 
I'm just gonna pick a song and then from there I'm gonna let it go. Nothing but plastic on the entire time. I mean, and it was and it was great. And plus, I had like some friends in the studio with me, so that was that was pretty cool. You were all together. You were all together then. Where did you do this show? This was in school when Evan and I were in school together. What was Um, the station? It was uh, WVKC, ninety point seven in Galesburg. What was the year? Uh, that would have been 06, 07. Yeah. Oh, you guys are younger than me. Yes, I <laughs> Well, Bobby and Dear Bobby, or Dear Friend, he's also a DJ, and he's actually established his own recent DJ night that he has. I did do a Beatles uh, night. He did do a nice. Beatles night, too. It was not yeah. well attended. <laughs> God damn. You, you, should really... do an, you should do another. I'll bring people. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, after this podcast, which will become just That's as... Right. Po- Listen, I'm not saying anything about how I think this podcast is going to do in terms of our already established um, filmography. It's going to be more popular than Jesus. It's going to be bigger than Jesus. We're going to be bigger than Jesus. It is all right cool that being said bill shut the fuck up and give us a number nine okay number nine number nine i hate this podcast all right guys okay let's see what we let's see what we've got here um hmm i'll edit this out <laughs> no i know this is this is tough because you're talking about like pitting masterpieces against and, le- and listen, we're doing the, we're doing this for arbitrary reasons. There's right. no need for us to rank them, but we're doing it anyway. Well, so right, God and, damn that's, it. and that's the point. I am going to um, controversially, uh, controversially, yeah, nominate Sergeant Pepper. What? Uh, Garbage. Yeah. Shenanigans. Let, no, no, no. I hear no, 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 no. I. There's a part of me that might agree with Bill, but I really want to hear his argument on it. So let's hear Bill. Okay. Okay. My argument for, for Bobby is Sergeant, smiling. I know he's, he's a, no. Bobby's about to hit me. Um, <laughs> so my argument for for putting Sergeant Pepper down this far on the list is that I just don't think it's that cohesive an album. Not at all. I now, don't. We need to talk about the context for this too, because especially yes. following Rubber Soul and Revolver. Many consider artistic breakthroughs, whatever. The group, again, having fulfilled their commercial obligations, they're like, what if, like, we're sick of being in this band, there's actual tension starting to form. We Let's form kind of this mystery-like altered ego band. So, that's the thing, is that Paul McCartney wrote the title track about halfway through the sessions for this album. So that's why when you say it doesn't feel cohesive, it's because half of it was not written with this concept album right because fixing the hole wasn't mind. played by sergeant peppers it's right. a fucking beatles song guys. and so yeah, yeah. and so i do understand what you're saying there it is not my favorite late stage album by any means but uh when you have the opening salvo of i mean the the theme was so uh, it was so innovative in just a production sense. All of the like the audience sounds that they used, all of the different they brought in like a hugely varied instrumentation for this track for almost the first time. And then you you go into um, possibly the best Ringo sung song, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then yeah. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds mm-hmm. is like un- inarguably like one of their biggest legacies. Mm-hmm. This is the album that sold. I mean, while they were hugely globally popular up until this point, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band sold 32 million copies right. worldwide. But like, fixing a hole sucks. No, well, right, there, it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. But, 
<laughs> but and but then also you know like even even lesser tracks on there like she's leaving home and True. in my opinion Mr. Kite are you know they're they're just they're so they're so innovative for the time you know once you get to this point in their discography every song spawned a genre yeah that you could you every every individual like sonic decision that they make like you hear a certain filter on a guitar noise and you're like oh my god there are six bands that sound like that all the time right and so i don't think we can put it quite this low okay now i let me just say one thing and then i want to toss to bobby and then to bill the thing about I, the other thing I want to talk about the whole reason we do the chartographers in the first place is because we kind of want to rank every album. And part of the reason why we're doing it is that when we're recording this episode in 2016, we're very far removed from when these albums initially came out. And there's a lot of people that will still hold on to everything that the Beatles did as being forward-thinking and progressive and innovative in a lot of ways because it was. But at the same time, because we're doing this in 2016 and because we're horrible, opinionated people, we are going to be willing to call out this song didn't last as well as this. I'm fully yeah. aware of what it did contextually at the time. But when you're listening to it now, we can still call it out for like still not a great song. See, and that's and that's part of the reason. That's part of the reason I put it in that direction. What you're saying, Karen, you aren't saying anything wrong or you know or, or incorrect about it. It was innovative, and it was you know it did it a lot of different things. It's, it may have spawned sub sub genres. That said. There were just not a lot of good songs on the album. I just disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Well, that, I mean, that's and the beauty of the Beatles is that it is so subjective. I mean, that's that is what is you know for me when I was kind of doing research and and trying to figure out you know how I was going to rank these things because this this is a fucking monumental task, guys. right? Yes. And yeah, this so has to be taken part lightly. Of the, part of the fun part of the fun of this is that the Beatles you know the Beatles are something different to everybody you know and. Everyone has their own kind of taste of, about what they like in the Beatles and what I they didn't like. No, no, because oh, that okay. song sucked. Um, <laughs> but everyone has their own, you know, their own likes and their own dislikes and their own songs that they think were wonderful and their own th songs that they think were were terrible. And so the fact that we can debate this and that we are debating this in 2016. I mean, how many band, how many bands from the 1960s can you really debate like this? Stank? Not for, they're not from the 1960s. <laughs> oh, sorry, I keep, forget, I keep forgetting. But real yeah. quick, he's been really quiet and he had a very expressive reaction to when he said Sgt. Pepper. Yes. Bobby. Uh, I have a very close relationship with this album. When I was 13 or 14, I listened to it over and over again, to which my dad said, there are some countries where you can be murdered for listening to the same album over and over again, <laughs> which I think the jury is still out on that. I don't think that's true. However, uh, I don't know. I feel like you, I disagree in terms of the album not being cohesive because the theme of the album is a live show because this was to replace their live show. And so I feel like Sgt. Pepper with a little help of my friends and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds have a very like circusy feel, Mr. Kite. Like you can, they put an audience track under the whole mm -hmm. album so that like it sounds like they're oh, almost live. Yeah, so they're almost live up to the point of, you know, Sgt. Pepper's part two and A Day in the Life. Like I feel like all of these things make it a cohesive album. I, I would say more cohesive than Magical Mystery Tour. Like I, I can I can throw it to you if you, you you know, if you have that opinion, that is fine and I can't change that. However I would say Magical Mystery Tour is less cohesive than this. Okay. No, you're you're right. Magical Mystery Tour is less cohesive. Uh I think that the songs on it stand up as a whole like each individual song stands up better. Magical Mystery Tour. On Magical Mystery Tour yeah. than on Sgt. Pepper's. But 
I, I think A Day in the Life is honestly one of the most important songs they ever recorded. It set the stage for, um, like, long story tracks that, that really, you know, I mean, it was making sweeping uh, societal statements, which I think this was, like, one of the earliest times they really did that. Um, so... And I, I just... I, right. I, I think that... If we're talking about Sgt. Pepper's, we we have to hash out Hard Day's Night first. Ooh, because okay. I, I really think that Help and Hard Day's Night still, as as good as they are, in my opinion, Tell are a step below Sgt. Pepper's. I yeah, I agree. I would I would put Help lower than Hard Day's Night just for no other reason than the opening chord. That opening chord is yes. the greatest chord in rock history. So, I would say help at number nine. I'm, that's kind of where I'm leaning to. I would lean with help at number nine. Billion? <laughs> you, are, you guys are not making this easy. Um, <laughs> Listen, and here's the thing. We all have babies I, that are going right. to die along well, the way. I, Kill right. and the, the thing is, I, I can... I can recognize when I am outvoted on something. <laughs> I really can. You're gonna win other votes, Bill. I'm well, not right. Worried well, about that's the that. again. Ultimately, we're just ranking albums, right. so you know nobody's gonna die at the end of this. And you need a little help Fingers from your friends, crossed. but these people are not your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I can recognize that I'm that I'm outvoted on this. Um, I don't necess- I don't necessarily agree, but I can't. Yeah. I can't. I know. And this is also against. I'm willing to, just for the sake of moving things along as well, I genuinely do believe that Help and Hard Day's Night, they're very much two pieces cut from the same cloth. That kind of whole stretch of things right there. And trust me, while I do want to have an Latter-day album, just, you know, kind of thrown in there because I do think there is a candidate, uh, before we get rid of the uh, pre-Rubber Soul albums, at the same time, I'm okay with having Help kind of tossed on there because I do think, when you think about it in the long term of things, I agree with these two, it is kind of a, a lesser work. Uh, all together. So guys, just for the sake of it, for the sake of what we're doing right now, number nine is help. Now listen here, I do hear that there's a Silver Hammer is almost going to be here. His name's Maxwell. It's really bad, but he's uh, he's going to start killing people. (laughs) Bang, bang. Bang, bang, Maxwell, Silver Hammer. I, I no. know. Just get to your segue. Get to your he segue. He kills people. Get to your segue. He does. Have you listen to that Finish song? Finish your segue. Anyway, so I would like before terrible, we... Before terrible, terrible segue. <laughs> before we break, I would like to get one other album on the list. I mean, I think it's no question it's a hard day's night. Um, I, I There's just a, such a huge... Uh, songwriting and and experimental break after rubber soul that it's 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 no contest hard day's night has some really great some really classic pop early pop rock songs but there's just so much meh on it like what like um I should have known better. That's a great song. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I'm happy just to dance with you. That's a great song. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, "Tell Me Why" is just like fine. Um, I actually really like "Anytime at All." I think it's, it's, ca- it's pretty fun. That's fine. Um, but like then I'll cry instead. And when I got home again, they're it's just like, guys. Yeah, and and also this is again as 
maybe I'm, you know, this is the 2016 lens and I'm too PC, but you can't do that is kind of a fucked up song. Wait, oh, he's wait, 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 hang on. Is it, yeah. is it more fucked up than Run For Your Life? Yeah, holy shit. No, holy is, shit, Run For Your fact, Life is messed it up. It is in fact not more fucked up than Run For Your Life. <laughs> it is a precursor to Run For Your Life. But these songs are about beating women when they talk to other dudes. It's true. And, you and John like Lennon that. did a lot of that. Yeah. 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 So did Ringo. So did Ringo. And that's fucked up. That's why you did the no-no song. And that and was so actually court order by the if judge. If we're ranking them now in 2016, I don't think we can overlook that. Okay, but right. here's the thing. I do want to point out that so far we've had some post-Rubberstool candidates thrown out there. Bobby's made it clear he's not as big a fan of Magical Mystery Tour. Bill has made it here. He's got Sgt. Peppers, which... I, I think there's some legitimacy to that argument there, but I want to toss out mine, my post one, and I did mention it just briefly previously. Let it be, and I mean this truly, is not, it's not as good as you remember it to be. And I only want to point out that first off, that that is an album where there are some great songs on there. There's a lot more straight ahead songs on there. And then there's songs that are barely even a fucking minute on there, which was fine during the White Album when you're trying to fill four sides of different things there. But as an overall thing, I mean, are, you, are people really going to go ahead and go ahead? Well, I mean, sure. It's there are One some After 909, that great classic. I is, love that song. Oh that's, that's a great song. I love One After 909. They originally recorded in like 1962. Right, but then also yeah. The Long and Winding Road. But Listen, I know it was number one, but McCartney has a way for overall... It's a beautiful song. No. It's a great song. No. That is a great, it's a great song. song. No, I am ardent about no, that. No, that is a great song. And let it be also... like I think that, Now let it be the song. I think that Two of Us and Get Back are yep. such perfect yep. openers and closers. Yes, I would agree with that entirely. And, and Actually, they, Two of Us was great because there was just that, even though it was recorded before Abbey Road, that sense of unity that it had, that brief momentary alliance. Like, there's contextual elements, but also just, like, the lyrics without even the Beatles' context was With great. Let It Be, I think it's awesome because it's it was specifically they were trying to get back to their old sound with their new, improved, like, songwriting ability and their, their studio know-how. And so when you get stuff like I Me Mine... Um, I mean, that's like up there with the best things that George ever contributed to the Beatles. I think yes. that Dig a Pony is like a really, it's, actually did. it's yeah, like yeah. really, it fits just, it fits right in with their like psychedelia, the fuck are you talking about mode. Um, but, but I mean, but at the still, same, that's also one of those great songs where you realize the lyrics and it doesn't make sense, but then you hear that chorus of just, all I want is you, do, 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 you know, like, and right. And that's and that's almost is what sells the song more than anything else. Right? And yeah. I mean, Let It Be obviously has been way overplayed at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a great song. And I think that I've Got a Feeling is also a yeah, especially in this dark period of I mean, like yeah. By the time this album came out, Paul had already left the band. They just hadn't announced it yet. Mm -hmm. Like so, it, it's to hear this optimism and this cooperation from them even at this point when they, you know, for the most part were behaving like solo artists. I think it's, I, let it be, again, maybe not my favorite late phase album, but I, I definitely hold it to a really high regard. Bill looks like you okay. want to say. I am, actually, Evan, I'm going to come to your defense in this one. Oh! Um, here, here, here's why. Two words, Phil Spector. No! Oh my god. <laughs> All right. I, okay, wait, wait. Okay, let's talk about the context as to why those two words are so important. 
Okay. They recorded the album. Take right. it from they, the re album. they recorded the album. This it was documentary it was produced album. Produced by, by Phil Spector. You know, became. Yeah, well, not actually not produced originally. by Phil no. Spector. Right. It was produced by Glenn Johns. Right. The band they hated did, each other right. and were like. Right. Barely in the studio um, recording. I'll so, do this dub. Right. And I think. I think it was not. I think that sort of. I think it, a lot of it was very much overproduced. Mm -hmm. And I think that took it. There, there's a, there are a lot of great songs on there. And you know, one we talked about one after nine oh nine. I think that I think that's a great song. Dig a Pony clearly is a great song. George Harrison's I Me Mine is a wonderful song. The album that should have been the Beatles' last album. We're not talking about this in terms of canon, but they released this album called Let It Be Naked, where mm -hmm. they stripped down. Now this was like two thousand two, two thousand three. This would have been oh no, it would have been late oh three. Yeah, well, and basically right there's this thing where there's a controversy. The long story came out. The the band finished. The band finished it. A lot of people wasn't sure if it was like finished enough or right. whatever so they brought in Phil Spector the amazing girl group wall of sound producer right. to be like can you add some right. stuff to it and while he largely and just kind of mixed and touched on something right. slightly he also added bombastic large right. string when let it be naked came out that was kind of that a lot of that was stripped out and mm -hmm. i think it let a lot of the songs shine as songs a lot better one example of that for me <laughs> is across the universe mm -hmm. i love the stripped down version on let it be naked i think it's a beautiful song. It's a, you know, it's it's definitely it's a Beatles classic. Right. And, yeah. But I I think that sort of bombast that, that Phil Spector added, or maybe that George Martin added, you know, I, when he was when he was doing his thing, I think it took away from it. And I love hearing that sort of that sort of stripped down version. The other reason I really love Let It Be Naked is because of Don't Let Me Down. Oh, because they included that on there? there. That was yeah. put on there, and that was it was, never, it was, ne it was never it was never yeah. it was never an album cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until then, and I, Maggie May, on um, yeah. the original Let It Be. I mean, that's a toss away song, and Don't but Let Me Down replaced it. I think and you're I think allowed it's such to, a better song. You're yeah. allowed to have a toss away song if it's less than a minute long. I mean, <laughs> I I agree, yeah. but when you have a song that's not on an album like of the quality of but Don't Let Me Down, that. they did that for their whole career. Guess what else wasn't on an album? Day Tripper, um, Revolution. I want to hold your Madonna. hand. Hey Jude, Lady Madonna. I mean, some of their best songs ever aren't on albums, so I don't think you can discount this original recording just because it it maybe didn't use the perfect lineup from the session. Or the perfect reproduction. Or the... I, I actually completely disagree. I okay. think that yeah. Let It Be Naked made the songs much more boring. I agree. Alright, Bobby, you can walk in the studio later. Let us All right. Let It Be feelings. So, I spent a lot of time with Let It Be in college because I had to write a paper on it. Um, so, like... What was the class? It was... A Beatles class. Wait, really? The required text was the Beatles anthology book. Uh, <laughs> well, fuck. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. so, like, I don't know. Paul McCartney wanted to do a live album of all new material, and he couldn't get the band to quite do it because he wanted to record it in a film studio and have this documentary film yeah. crew do it at, like, 7 in the morning when no one wanted to do it. So the material was really bad, and they gave it to Phil Spector to, like, do something with. And what he put out is what we all know. And I feel like just because it is generally regarded as, like, less than, it's still canon, it's still really good. And, like, I prefer the sweeping version of, you know, the, the other I versions. I mean, I'll always prefer Bombast. 
Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, like, if you add strings and horns to something, I'm generally sold. Sure, you can you can overdo it, but for the most part, that only adds to the emotions that a song can deliver. I, and also, there was a version of the Get Back Sessions that was never released, and it was by Glenn Johns, and it was really weak. And so I feel like the Phil Spector version is what we got because they couldn't do much with the material they had because no one was happy doing that. And that's why they went back to do Abbey Road the way that they did it with George Martin. But I feel like because it's sort of an underdog album, that makes me love it even more Mm -hmm. and want to, you know, put it Right, and I'm willing to call it an underdog album because it's just not as solid as some other other latter day efforts there so mm-hmm. bill and i are very much in this line so and i thank you bill but real the real question then is at that point bobby you're number eight my number eight then would be either a hard day's night or magical mystery tour hard day's night all right so listen here guys before Bang Bang Maxwell Silver Hammer comes back and attacks and kills us all. Oh, come on. I do, <laughs> I do want to say, let's go ahead and agree on a consensus to the end of part one. A Hard Day's Night will be our number eight pick, and that leaves so much more left to go. So before we head out, let's go ahead and summarize what we have in terms of our ranking of the best and worst Beatles albums. Number 13, Yellow Submarine. Number 12, Please Please Me. Number 11, Beatles for Sale. Number 10, With the Beatles. Number 9, Help. Number 8, A Hard Day's Night. And right after this, guys, we are going to record an amazing part two where we take care of all the rest and throw it in order. But in the meantime, let me just do one quick thing and say thank you. I want to thank all the people at the studio for being here right now. Tarrant, Bill, Bobby, T's and B's all over the place. It's amazing. I thank you guys for being here. Your voices have been incredibly invaluable, and we're going to keep extracting them aerial-like, you know, for our next podcast, for the next one. Uh, guys, don't worry about it. Uh, that's all I can say. Thank, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Do like us on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes, preferably well, unless you don't like that last joke I just made. Either way, it's fine. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye! Don't worry, don't worry, guys. With podcast magic, where no one will ever hear these words we're speaking right now ever again. So don't worry. Uh, look at it never happened. <laughs> <laughs>